And as you're taking your seat, why don't you pull out your Bibles and uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. You can find it on page 1591 Bibles. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it experience both the joy and the peace that comes from our Lord. This Advent season, we have been looking at the words that we tend to associate with Christmas. And we began with the word hope, as we saw the hope that Mary had when she praised her God for the child that she was carrying. And then two weeks ago, we, we saw that hope leads to faith, which is a trusting in God, no matter what circumstances you may be going under. Mary... She was required to travel to Bethlehem at probably the worst time possible. Her baby was due, and yet because of this census that was decreed, she had to journey roughly 100 miles to Bethlehem. And once she was there, she had to give birth to her son in a place where animals were kept. And all of this because it was prophesied in the book of Micah. It was to be a sign for others, signifying the remarkable nature of of her son. And now today, we're going to look at two more words that, that we tend to relate with Christmas. And those words are joy and peace. Joy on seeing the, the promise of God being fulfilled, and peace, which is the result of that promise. In our passage today, we, we encountered these shepherds who, who were out in the fields tending their sheep. These were just men going about their, their daily business, not really having a care in the world. But their night would be abruptly changed with the appearance of an angel. Look at verses 8 and 9 one more time. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The reaction of these men was one of terror. And they were afraid for good reason. For with this angel came the glory of the Lord. Often we, we think of, when we think of God's glory, we think about His majesty and His, His splendor, which it is. But what, what we don't realize is that, is that the magnitude and the intensity of his glory 
will bring us to our knees. It demonstrates to us how sinful we really are as human beings. Think about how, how Moses, when he, he went in to see the Lord and speak with the Lord, and how after he would come out, he would have to put a veil covering his face. Because, because after leaving the presence of the Lord, the, the reflection of God's glory was too much for the people to bear. The terror that these shepherds felt was a right response. For when the glory of the Lord shines its light upon man, it, it lays bare for them their utter depravity and the rejection that they have for God. It, it demonstrates to them how they have turned their back on their Creator and have declared war. So this dread, this dread that these men felt, it was the dread of judgment. But God, in His mercy, did not leave these men in fear. No. He had something altogether different in mind. Look at verses 10 through 12. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The message of the angel was not one of judgment, rather one of great joy. For the hope of the nations had finally arrived. Those who had, who had believed in God's message, those who had been anticipating this coming Messiah, would now see their faith turn into joy. For on that day, in the town of David, a Savior had been born to them. He is Christ, the Lord. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, man has been, has been harboring this hostility towards God. They have been under the curse of His judgment and, and really unable to dig themselves out. And yet embedded in that curse, as we read a few weeks ago, was the promise of the offspring of the woman. The one who would defeat our enemy and restore man's righteous standing before God. This was the hope of all who had faith in that coming Messiah. And now this, this struggle that we have been going through since the dawn of time had finally found its solution in this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Hope leads to faith, and now faith leads to joy. And this joy can only come to us through Jesus Christ. Now joy is, is not happiness, though it is similar. Happiness is that, that temporary feeling that one gets when, when circumstances go your way. A student gets an A on an exam, and they're happy. An employee gets a promotion at work, and they're happy. A child wakes up on Christmas morning and sees all those gifts under that tree. Guess what? They're happy. But, but those are, are, are temporary things. And, and those happy feelings, they, they will soon fade away. But joy, joy is 
altogether different. For, for true joy, it doesn't diminish. It is a gladness that is, that is lasting because it has its focus on things that are eternal. It has its focus on Christ. This is why the Apostle Paul could, could give this command in his letter to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. This coming from a man who was in, who was in prison. A man who had his life hanging in the balance. How can he say rejoice in the Lord always? Because his joy was not fixed on his circumstances. No, the joy of Paul was focused on Jesus Christ, the one he had faith in. All of us go through trying times at one point or another. We experience hurt. We experience grief. And yet in the midst of it all, we can still have this joy if our eyes are gazing upon our Lord. For what, what He brings to you outweighs even our deepest of loss. What is it that He brings? It's what the angels sing about in verses 13 and 14. Suddenly a, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Peace is a word that is used a lot in society today. Ever since man began, uh, began warring against himself, people have looked at the, at the devastation that we, that we bring about this world and upon each other, and they have been seeking for ways of creating peace. They want to stop to the violence. This is why there are disarmament treaties between world powers. That's why the United Nations, the United Nations was formed. That's why people promote global education and, and humanitarian aid. They want to stop the things that, that lead up to such aggression, that lead to war. And while these attempts, they, they may be helpful, they're only stemming the tide. It's like putting a band-aid on a broken leg. Wars still occur. Genocide continues to this day. Nations break their treaties, and the, and the cycle of violence, it repeats itself. You see, there are, there are at least three problems with the world's idea of peace. And the first is this. The, the peace of the world is only an empty promise of temporary comfort. Things like treaties and groups like the United Nations are only as good as the parties involved. Words are often misunderstood and pacts can be easily broken. And as soon as one side feels like they are being slighted or being used, then you have the seeds of aggression and conflict erupts again. Second, the, the, the peace of the world is based on, on the weak foundation of compromise. Often we are taught that, that compromise is a good thing. And, and don't get me wrong, compromise, it can create peace for a short time. But ultimately what compromise does is it puts both parties in a position that neither likes. 
This is why God, when, when the Israelites were entering into the Promised Land, He warned His people about making treaties with, with the other nations. Exodus 34, verse 12 says this, Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Why did God give this warning? Because making a treaty with, the, with nations that were opposed to Him will cause the people of God to compromise in areas that He commanded them to stand firm. And finally, the, the, the problem with the type of peace that the world has to offer is that, is that it only looks to the symptoms of conflict instead of the source. It looks outward instead of looking inward and seeing the sinfulness of man's heart. In the book of Jeremiah, we see God rebuking the religious leaders of Judah for ignoring the sins of their people and thus giving the, them this false sense of peace. Jeremiah 6, verses 13 and 14 say this, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain, prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. There are a lot of attempts today in this world to, 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 to make it a better place. We feed the hungry. We, we clothe the naked. We, we, we build shelters for the homeless. and We educate those who, who can't afford it. And don't get me wrong, these, these good deeds, they go a long way towards easing that discomfort. And these are things that, that as Christians we should be a part of. And yet they all fall short of creating true peace. For they only address the symptoms and never the root of the issue. And what is the root? Why do we not have peace in our world today? It's because we have hearts that are, that are full of sin. And yet there is a solution. There is a peace that is different. There is a peace that only God can bring. How is it different? For one, God's peace isn't a promise of temporary comfort. Rather, it is the assurance of eternal things. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says this, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's peace is unshakable. It lasts longer than any of the mountains. And it will still be around when all the rivers dry up. For it is built on a foundation that is stronger than, than any compromise. Its footings are, are more secure than any treaty comprised by human minds. Which leads to our second point. That God's peace is built on the foundation of His Word. And it comes to us through that Word made flesh. Psalm 119, verses 165 and 166 say this, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, O Lord, and I follow your commands. 
It is in the Word of God that we find peace. For it is in Scripture that we find a wisdom that is greater than man's wisdom. The solution to to wars, the solution to violence, is written in this book. What is that solution? It is the very thing that, that the Word of God points to. It is that child, that, that Savior who was born in the town of David. God's Word points to Christ. And this leads us to our final point. That the peace of God looks to solve the source of our problem, which is our sin. And it does so through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Dear friends, the, the, the reason God became a man and, and dwelt among us is because we have waged a war in our hearts against God. That's what sin is. It is a rebellion against your Creator. It's telling God that He is no longer your King because you know better. And yet in His mercy... He sent His Son in order to make peace with us. He came to bring us to repentance and into His forgiveness. He came to give us new hearts. Hearts full of faith. Hearts full of joy. Faith in the One who died for our sins. And joy in the knowledge that our war is now over. And it's not because of anything that we have done, but only because God has granted to us His favor. Brothers, sisters, if if you want to see peace in this world, you must first have peace in your hearts. You must first find the peace that comes from God and God alone. And that peace can only come to you through His Son, through Jesus Christ. Turn to Him and believe. This is the message of Christmas, a message of joy, a message of peace. And it comes to you in a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let us pray. Father, may our hearts be filled with both joy and peace this Christmas season. May our eyes be focused on your Son. And may your Holy Spirit guide us and remind us that that the war is over. You have, have made peace through Jesus Christ. For that, we can now have great joy. We pray this in his name. Amen.